Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. All right, all right. How is everyone? You doing well? Come on, y'all doing well? Doing well. Okay, second service. Vibes are up, as Zach likes to say. Uh, Okay, hey, let's do this. Let's stand to our feet uh, as we do every weekend for the reading of God's Word. Uh, We're going to be in Luke chapter 6. If you have a Bible with you, you want to turn to it. Luke chapter 6. I'm in the New Living Translation. Should be up on the screens behind us. Good. Let's read God's Word together. It says, Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you use it to teach us, to form us, to shape us, and ultimately to bring us into who you've called us to be. God, we thank you that it's your story. God, I pray that this weekend that you would teach us, that you'd instruct us. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'd have your way in the room. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Amen. Come on, all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Hey, you can have a seat. Uh, well, as Marius said, uh, this is not a normal weekend. Uh, this is our life group launch weekend, which it feels like kind of like a proverbial job fair out there. Okay? But we're going to explain some of the heart and some of the vision behind it. Uh, my name is Bronson. I'm one of the leaders, one of the pastors here. If you're new to our community, new to our church, um, yeah, I wonder, have you ever gone through your Christian life, if you're, if you're a Jesus follower, and gone to church, and you heard the things you knew you were supposed to do, but if you're really honest, you didn't know how to do it? Has anybody ever felt like that? Like, you knew you were supposed to read the Bible, but, like, you were just kind of, like, opening it, and, like, you know, like, you thumb through it, and you just point and start reading there, you know? And it's, like, something super obscure, like, it's a very strange passage, and you're like, well, that wasn't helpful, but I did it. <laughs> Uh, maybe prayer, like you know you're supposed to pray and you're like, dude, I've got like a good 15 seconds of prayer in me and then I'm done, anybody? Uh, that was me for most of my Christian life or like you know you're supposed to like fellowship and hang out with other Christians, but you're like, other Christians are weird and like these people are getting on my nerves. How am I supposed to stay in this? Um, you know, I, I believe that almost all of us have probably had that experience. And so the question that we're gonna attempt to answer this weekend is how do we actually win in our relationship with Christ? Like, how do we actually move forward? How do we grow? (laughs) He just came up. I love it. Thank you for the water, Maurice. Everybody uh, put your hands together for Marius. What a a guy. Um, So how do we grow in our relationship with Jesus? That's the question we're answering or asking. And so I've got my friends up here. I've got Jessica Malta, and I've got the man, the myth, the legend, Fitzhill. Uh, I, I wondered if y'all could kind of introduce yourselves so the church could get to know you, some of your heart, some of your background. Jess, can you tell us briefly, like, what your background is and what you do here at the church? Yeah. So uh, good morning, everyone. I've, I've been in full-time ministry now for about 14 years, and that's pretty much taken me into a lot of places. <laughs> Um, I lived in New York for a season. We worked for a nonprofit up there. That's where I met my husband, Marius. And I convinced him to move to the lovely, hot state of Arkansas. Yeah, it's still, we're still praying over that every day. But um, now, when yeah. you're from here, I am from here. Marius is not from here. He is from Germany, oh. so not from here. German sensation. You're not yeah. from 
That accent. I thought that was Arkansas. Yeah. Okay. It's a mix of Brooklyn, uh, German, and the Southern. Okay. So, um, anyway, so we both worked for the art. Amari still does, but I worked for the Dream Center for about eight, nine years and got to help implement a lot of systems and structures. And one of the things I got to help start was one of our woman's house. So discipleship is huge on my heart. And as of late, I'm now working here uh, for the church. Yeah, I get to help with operations and help um, me and my husband do life groups. And Translation, she runs this place. Uh, so she helps us with operations, with systems, all those types of things. But also, uh, they oversee together the discipleship part of our church. And so she's going to talk more about that here in a minute. Uh, and then we've got Fitzgerald Hill. Uh, Fitz, you and I have been working together for about six years now. Six years. Uh, the Swirl team. Swirl, that's right. Chocolate and vanilla. That's right. Uh <laughs> And so Fitz, Fitz and I launched this church together, um, gosh, in 2018, which is crazy. Um, Fitz, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how that led you to where you're at and what you're doing here? Yeah, student athlete, played football, uh, Washington Baptist University, coached for uh, 20 years, and um, uh, coached, graduate assistant football coach for the Razorbacks, assistant football coach for the Razorbacks. Um, I coached 12, four years, head football coach San Jose State, and that's when the Lord um, called me out of profession. Then I guess he gave me the title of educational evangelist. Okay. So, so that's kind of what I go by. And then I became the president of Arkansas Baptist College for 10 and a half years. Um, during that time, I met Pastor Rick, and um, he baptized me to Jordan River, and uh, my life has been on transformational process ever since. And then I said that, hey, when I stepped down from being the president, that I was going to go uh, into the ministry and work on the goals and objectives that could be transformative in our communities. Amen. Well, what we're going to try to do together, and kind of the thesis that we're working off of, is this belief that we have as, as a church, is that God has given us the power and the tools to become the people that God has made us to be. Let, let me personalize that. God has given you the power and the tools to be people of power, of substance, of depth, and impact. And the way that we say that is that God has called you, created you, equipped you uh, to become a compelling missional disciple. Everybody say that with me, a compelling missional disciple. Um, so that's what we're going to look at is, what does it mean to be a compelling missional disciple? That's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, you know, my first job in the church, from my background is I was a worship pastor uh, with students for a while up in Columbus, Ohio. I'm from Augusta, Georgia. Go dogs! Any dogs fans? I see that hand. Go dogs! Three Pete, like MJ. Um, so uh, I was in Augusta, Georgia, moved to Columbus, Ohio, was leading worship up there. Then I came down here and got a, a position as the Master of Custodial Arts at the uh, Greater Little Rock Campus. That's the janitor if you're not putting that together. Uh, I was terrible. I was ter literally bad at it. Uh, I, I don't have that skill set. I can't fix things. Our ice maker is broken at the house right now. And, you know, these are the times where my wife just prays that God would grow me in that skill set. So this, this afternoon, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to work on it. I'm going to watch a YouTube video. I'm going to work on this. Yeah, y'all hold me accountable. All right? It's too hot not to have ice. That's what my wife says. Um, so when I was doing this maintenance job, I didn't know what I was doing. 
And so like, I'd be like installing toilets. I didn't know what tools I needed, you know? I was watching YouTube videos and I'd figure I needed a tool. And so I'd go to the other side of the building. This building's huge, like 60,000 square feet. I'm walking back and forth. I'm taking 10 trips to the hardware store. Those guys were always coaching me and helping me. And y'all, I just felt lost all the time. Here's what I know, that for a lot of us, we feel lost in our faith. We know we're supposed to do things. We know we're supposed to be coming people. Like we read these stories in the scripture and we're like, I'm hearing about miracles and people saved in public spaces and like outpourings of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, I believe that, but I'm not seeing any of that. Has anybody ever felt like that before? Just a little raise a hand if you've ever felt like that. Um, you know, I believe that God has given us the tools. I believe that God has given us ways to become this. And this morning, what we want to lay out is how do we become this, this goal of becoming compelling missional disciples? So I've got a chart for you guys. I got this from a church called Church of the City. And I think this is one of the most helpful charts that I've ever seen uh, for how to become a Jesus follower. Now listen, Jesus' goal for us is not just that we would believe, but that we would follow, right? that we become students, that we become trained by Jesus, who's the master. And so uh, there's three core elements in our church that you're going to see us always pushing you towards. Number one is presence. God's, things change in God's presence. Like, have you ever had a moment in worship where it's like you've been battling something, you've been battling anxiety, whatever, and then all of a sudden, like, there's just this peace that washes over you? We'd say that's the tangible presence of God. Things change in God's presence. Number two, there's formation intentional formation into the image of Christ. And then lastly, there's mission. So our goal is to get in God's tangible presence, to be intentionally formed in the image of Christ, and then to go out and live missionally in the world. Now listen, if, if we just do like one of these or two of these, the chart kind of shows you what happens, right? So have you ever been to a church where it's like all sizzle, no steak? You know what I'm talking about? It's like you're getting wild in the presence, but then you know outside of that, people are living crazy lifestyles. You're making no impact in the world, right? Then maybe you can go to another church where it's all mission. And, and it's basically like secular renewal. There's no gospel preached. Well, what we believe is that the call of the church is to preach the gospel. That's our number one thing. But gospel transformed people are then to go out and transform the communities we're in. Fitz is going to talk about that in a little bit. Now, our church, in the first two years, I believe we were really strong in presence and really strong in mission, okay? But here's what I think it produced in us, shallow servants. And you know, when the pandemic hit and we couldn't gather, we were really good at gathering, but we couldn't gather. And then we couldn't go out and do the missional work because of COVID and the spread, so we were stuck in our homes. And honestly, guys, this is where I looked in the mirror and I felt like I failed as a pastor. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the things to help people along that formational journey. So this last three years has really been a deep dive into formation. And Jess is going to talk more about that in a minute. But, yo, we believe that power, everyone say power. Power is found in the presence. It's, through, it's positioning ourselves through a life posture of worship that we receive the power of God. Number two, depth. Everyone say depth is formed in the formational practices. Jess is gonna talk about this in a bit. And then impact is realized through mission. Yo, this is our goal. I just want you to hear the vision. Our goal is that you would win in your relationship with Jesus. Our goal is that you'd become a compelling missional disciple. And listen, your success as a Jesus follower is our success as a church, okay? Uh, we wanna equip you, we wanna resource you, and uh, we wanna help you along the way as pastors and shepherds. And so Fitz, What's the number one indicator? You were, you were a D1 football coach, right? You were at San Jose State. 
who, you know, they put a few more points on USC last night than I thought they were competed. going to. They competed. You know, if Fitz had been at the helm still, maybe they had a chance. <laughs> no, that USC beat us too. <laughs> uh, Fitz, what's the number one indicator you've seen for success in athletics? Consistency. That word, I'm going to tell you, consistency is doing, being consistent at all times. And uh, t let's take this week, practice. Everybody will be at the game Saturday for the Razorback games. Everybody excited about showing up for the game. But very few people show up for practice. Hmm. And, 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 you know, consistency is, is you have to go when nobody's clapping for you. Hmm. You have to move through the process. And here's the deal about consistency. Let me share with you. Don't trust your feelings. Hmm. See, because your feelings, your feelings can, can, can trick you. And here's one thing, when you go to counseling, the first thing that a therapist will ask you, she will, he or she will say, how does that make you feel? Because they're trying to get you to process down into what prompts you to act or mm. not to act. What triggers you to, to an addiction or not an addiction? But the consistency to show up is not how about you feel. That's why I say practice. You win during the week and you perform on the weekends. Mm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Something real ironic that I found. My players who did not execute well on Saturday were the ones I would track back to school. They didn't go to class, they missed study hall, mm. they, didn't, they, didn't, they were not consistent during the week. So consistency is winning at the little things. What I say, inch by inch, life is a cinch, yard by yard, life is hard. You win in cinches. That's good. So, okay, so what you're basically saying is that we can act our way into feeling much more effectively than we can feel our way into acting. No question. And you, and, and you have to be consistent about that. You must make sure that you do not let your feelings motivate you to, 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 to not doing what you're supposed to hmm. do. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I found, especially kind of in the modern church, so much of what we do is feelings-oriented, Right. So much of what we do is kind of come in and have an emotional experience. But what I've found is that those emotional experiences go away. But in, in my own life, like depth has been found in the consistency. It's been found in the quiet place, in the secret place, through a life of prayer. Um, and, and to that point, as she been working out, B, you know, you know if you're going to walk every day to get where you want to go with your health, it's walking every day, hmm. not just once a week. That's good. You know, what we want to give you guys and what, where this morning is kind of leading to is how do we practice and how do we plan to practice as believers? Um, you know, I, I found, a, you know, definitely within like Protestantism, specifically within in the evangelical church, um, we, we kind of have taken effort out of things because we don't want to earn our salvation, right? We have a doctrine of grace, that it's God's unmerited favor. Y'all listen, grace is free. The grace of God is free. You cannot earn it but growth will cost you. If you want to grow in your faith, it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you effort. Listen, God's opposed to earning, but he's not opposed to effort. And so what we want to encourage you to do, and again, like y'all, listen, at the end of this, it's not going to be like this high pressure moment where like, if you don't do this room, we're just trying to create a table and say, hey, these are the things that we found. And these are areas that if you want to grow, we believe uh, that you can grow. And so my question for you is, where are you wanting to grow? Maybe it's in your marriage. Listen, I know none of y'all have marriage problems, right? And none of us, nobody's fighting with their spouses. I definitely know you're not struggling in parenting. There's no way. Listen, I never believed how mad you could get at a four-year-old, like, teacup princess until I had one, you know? 
And it's like, how am I, like, I'm not an angry person, but I'm so angry. <laughs> you know, like literally this week, I, I was like, I'm not missing my quiet time because I think I'm going to lose my mind. Like if I don't have some time with God and get some perspective, um, maybe you're single, like you're looking for a place to meet friends. Uh, listen, like I, I've been there. Maybe you're struggling in your prayer life. Uh, we've got some things for, for you with that. Or maybe you're just like, man, like I'm doing all those things, but I want to make an impact. Uh, there's, there's some areas for that as well. Listen, there's cost, but what we gain is greater than the cost. Um, we actually get to become like Jesus, which is pretty mind-blowing, right? Uh, that we get to grow into the image of Christ. And that's what today is all about. So Jess, could you talk to us a little bit about the area of spiritual formation? I talked a little bit about presence, right? We did that this past Wednesday. We had a night of just seeking God, seeking God's face, seeking God's presence. We did that through worship. But could you talk a little bit about spiritual formation and what that looks like? Yeah, so loaded question, um, but you may have heard Bronson say this before, but uh, transformed habits uh, actually transform our desires that lead to a transformational life. And so basically all boiled down is if we're not faithful, as soon as our feet hit the floor mm -hmm. of intentionality, we're not really going to grow in our faith. And so I'm sure some of you can relate. So I'm going to walk you through sometimes of my day. So I wake up, I get the kids ready, um, get them in the car and drop them off at school. And then I head to work and then I get there and I'm like, how the heck did I actually arrive? And then it's time. You probably have your work bestie. Y'all hang out. You're in the know of everything. You're probably frustrated with your boss. He's not nailing it. They could probably do a little bit better. And then you leave, pick up your kids, get home, make dinner, do bath time. They're in their jammies, and now it's finally you time. And often there we want to turn on Netflix or indulge in a book, take a bath. And if we're waiting for those moments then to want to um, grow in our relationship with the Lord, it's not going to happen. Mm. Can anybody relate? Just mm. me? No? Um, and so... Um, in that, I've, I've realized that following Jesus has to be very intentional, and mm -hmm. following him comes with risk and sacrifice, and it's a constant invitation of allowing discomfort and tension to live in our lives. And for me, I know that can be like weighty, you know, thinking, man, it's just like if you want to lose weight and going back to like being an athlete or whatever. If I want to lose weight and I don't allow myself to feel the, the hunger pains from time to time, I'm probably not going to lose weight uh, because I'm restricting myself from something. And, um, you know, I didn't grow up in church. I became a believer at 21. All of this stuff was new to me. And I didn't know what praying was, getting in community. All of that was fresh soil for me. But I knew I wanted, once I became saved, I knew my life was not reflecting Jesus. It was self-focused and self-indulging. And mm. so for me, I'm very practical. I knew I couldn't control my schedule. So I literally signed up for a life group every single night of the week. When I was getting off, I had to go somewhere. I needed to be around people who were going to show me, pray for me, and believe in me that I could overcome some of these things I was walking through. Mm. I couldn't have done it by myself. So it's interesting 
Can anybody relate to like when she's describing that day? It almost feels like if I don't beat my kids out of bed, it's like the first thing you wake up to is getting smacked in the head with a two by four and you're irritated the rest of the day. Or maybe like you're single and like your first thing you do is like you roll out of bed, you're already late, you're heading off to work, your boss, like you're 30 seconds late through the door and your boss is looking at the watch and he's like, you know, on times 10 minutes late or whatever, like those, uh, you know, those, you know, little things that people say. And so what would you say are like some practices? Like if, if we want to be formed, like what are some practices that we can put in place throughout our day to help us with those things? Yeah. So for me, I have to be intentional. So like I use my phone as my alarm clock. So I immediately already have like my Babel app, like telling me, like, prompting me. Mm. So I, if I look over it, it's a constant like reminder. Oh, I have to like physically ignore it. Um, setting up times to like not be on social media because I know or putting on do not disturb on my mm. phone uh, because I'm often like going to read my Bible on my phone. And as soon as I get a text, I'll, it'll lead me down a whole different rabbit hole. And so these are just like, um, you know, practices that I've had to put in place. Mm. A huge part of that is like accountability. Even Callie and I have started this, um, I can't think of what it's called right now, but a Bible study together because we're like, we need to do this together or we're not going to do it because any young moms in here, like young children, that's really the first thing that can go is your spiritual practices because your kids are so needy. It actually reminds me of a story, if I can tell it. Yes. (laughs) So Riley, we have a four-year-old, and this girl loves... When she comes home from school, she literally changes about 14 times. I wish I was exaggerating. She becomes Princess Tiana to a ballet player to Ariel, and there's glitter all over my house at any given moment. It's all over our eight-month-old. Literally, you had glitter on your face. Did I? This week, yeah, we were meeting, and you had like a big, and I was like, that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's and not And now it makeup. comes together. It was dress glitter. Yeah, dress yeah, glitter everywhere. Great. And my mom just loves to keep buying these dresses, and I'm like, we have plenty. So anyways, Riley will literally demolish her room in the house because she is changing her dresses constantly. And at the end of the night, I'll say, Riley, like, we have to pick all of this up. And she'll say, Mom, you're just being so mean to me. And I'm like, no, I'm teaching you how to, like, take care of your things so you can keep having fun. And I love the Father, his heart towards us, God's heart for us, because I think this is often how we respond to him. Like, God, you're being so mean to me. You don't understand the day. Like, I don't have time to get in my word, or I don't want to really pray. Or Have you seen my day, God? I don't want to go to, like, life group tonight and let them be in all my business. And what he's trying to invite you in is into a whole nother construct of, of, of habit forming. And so that you can, he can shape you and you can value him more, but he's calling this value that he sees on your life. He's trying to show you, yeah. like he knit you, he created you, he made you with a purpose and a calling. And it only takes time to like go clean, clean mm. up. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you guys, if you want to transform your life, wake up early and read, drink plenty of water, get eight <laughs> hours of sleep, do those three things and exercise three times a week, you will transform your life in six months. I'm telling you guys, if we put these small practices into our lives, it will absolutely transform us. And what God has done is throughout the library of scripture, he's given us so many different things. Like, listen, fellowship, right? Like churchy word for hanging out, you know? Uh, Fellowship, like, have any of you ever seen someone grow or become great on their own? 
the lone wolf is, is mythology, right? Uh, you know, the lone wolf is like, oh, I don't need anybody. My, my idol is myself in 10 years. Well, you're an idiot, you know? Like, that's ludicrous, you know? There's this whole, like, Instagram influencer world of the way to strength. There's an ancient way to strength which is through deep relationships with people, with similar convictions, headed on the same road. Listen, we came from God, we're headed towards God. Everything in life is forming us. That was something Jess said in our meeting this week. She was like, everything in life is formational, right? Your phone, social media, all that stuff is trying to form things in you, whether that's stress, whether that's worry, whether that's comparison, whether that's FOMO. Does anybody say that anymore? Is that still a thing? Uh, but the question is, how do we change? How do we become people of power? How do we become people of depth? I believe it's through practices. You know, there was a, a story I heard when I was in Bible school about this zoo, and basically they built a big, strong gate for rhinoceroses, and rhinoceroses charge. That's what they do. So what they had to do is they had to make a robust gate because these rhinos were going to run headfirst into these things, right? Well, what they do is in the beginning, they'd run and they'd hit their heads on it and they'd fall back, whatever. Eventually, what the rhinos realized, that thing was charge-proof, but it wasn't lean-proof. So what they would do is they would just lean on that gate. And over time, eventually, that gate would come down. They'd start moving the gate. Y'all, so much of our Christian life, we get up ahead of steam. We're like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm never gonna do this again. And we run and we hit our head against life and we fall back and we don't change. Here's what spiritual practices are. It's the slow and steady leaning of the gate of sin and brokenness to become who God's called us to be. And so what we do when we wake up in the morning, we do our prayer times, we're just getting up, we're leaning on that stinking gate. And so, y'all, there's this myth within the Christian life that life change and overcoming sin and all this stuff happens in a moment. It doesn't happen in a moment, it happens in a lifetime. God's grace fills your heart in a moment these, these moments, listen, the gate's gonna come down at some point. Sometimes we think all of life is spiritual breakthrough. It's 1% of life. But it's that other 99% of time where we position ourselves to change. Listen, if we wanna be a light of the world, we wanna be a city on the hill, we've gotta be, be people who lean on the gate, amen? Um, uh, we're gonna talk about mission here in a moment, uh, but I heard somebody say this one time. They said, if you focus on mission, but you don't become discipled in the way of Jesus. When you go out to reach the world, you won't reach the world, the world will reach you. You won't change the world, you'll be changed by the world. And so that's why it's so important for us guys to have these deep formational practices, to have people that we're walking through life with who tell us the truth, amen? amen. People who tell us the truth are the people who love us. People who tell us just what we wanna hear, they don't love us, they're consuming us because they're not willing to say difficult things. Love says difficult things. Love pushes. Love take, takes risks. And God's called us into these loving relationships. And so um, Fitz, there's a, there's a quote, there's a book called um, Invitation to a Journey by a guy named Robert Mulholland. If you're curious about this stuff, it's really good. And he, he says this. He says, our goal is to be formed by God into the image of Christ for the sake of others. So our formation is not just for us. It's actually for the world. And Fitz, uh, you, you've been focused on gathering data these past couple years. Um, and, and you know, one way we could say it is we're formed so we can help others. We're formed so we can transform. Amen. Transformation I, yeah, I thought, process. I thought you might like that. Uh, and so could you talk to us a little bit about what you've seen, just some of the data that you've seen uh, within the prison systems, stuff that we're seeing happening? Because our, our world's pretty wild out there. Amen. 
Could, could you hit us with some of the data that you found, some of the work that you're doing? Yeah, thanks, B. And, and the intentionality of addressing these issues has to be that we're very consistent in our approach. Uh, because it, 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 when you look at this data, it is overwhelming when you look at these factors facing our youth today. And when you, when you look at what we do at the Dream Center, Marius and, and, and the whole team over there, what they go about it every day that they're trying to address these issues with these kids on Mondays through Fridays and trying to give them a game plan for their life because of the data, which, which I'm gonna mention to you right now, that's, that you know, understanding that we have to be active in our ways, that we have to intervene in these crisis situations. So take for example, Sons born to teens are more than two times as likely to be in prison than those born to mothers that are 20 or 21. Just that alone. Wait, say that again. All right. A teenage female, okay, born in an impoverished environment, and listen to this. This is almost by the zip code. When the sperm hit the egg upon conception in that environment, that fetus has a two-to-one chance of going to prison. Could you tell us a little bit about the prison data that you've seen from 1980 to today? All right, correct. And that leads to this from the prison data, seeing how they're stacked, that seven out of 10 foster girls who are pregnant, usually 70% of those foster girls who enter into these foster homes without a loving family, okay, end up pregnant. Which what we find now is that the prison system is made up of 70% state incarcerated individuals, 70% have been in foster care. So what we're trying to do is find strategic ways to address this. Now, even more so, the prison population has just has swelled over the last, since 1980s. In 19, during the decade of 1980s, there were about 200 to 50 to 300,000 Americans incarcerated, all right? As recent as the last five years, we've had as many as 2.5 million prison beds. So I want you to think about that number, 250,300. Today, we have almost 2.5 million prisoners. Why is that? Well, it speaks to the fact that 85% of all juveniles who interface with the juvenile court system have been found to be functionally low literate. We just had a young man in our Dream Center elementary school suspended for a week this past week. That's the pipeline of prison right there. Mm. The love that we're supposed to have is Michael Monroe back there, Michael Monroe. Michael just had a son, okay? This morning he came to me showing me his son, how excited and, and, and he was about raising his son. And the love that that child is gonna get is what every child should have the opportunity to have. Mm. And when they don't, that's what we as a body of Christ are supposed to step in and do. Mm. That child didn't sign up for that. Right. And why we suspend kids and send them back to the trauma that calls for the suspension baffles me. So what we're trying to do is be missional with the things that we do to address these social issues of high school dropouts. When you go in and look, 60% of, of, of prisoners have, have, don't complete high school. Now we're educating people in high school. I said, well, the, the, the early intervention, the prevention, is what Marius and his team, that they were working on to try to do to make sure that we do that. So what we've done, we've looked at this data, all right, and, and we, we've, we've come to find how we can be strategic in addressing these social issues. 
and the church has allowed me to lead in this area, which I'm ecstatic about. This week I went to all eight middle schools. My man, Mr. Dwayne Clayton over there at his press principal horse man, we got Asia who's at Dunbar, to be able to walk into these schools and say, what are the needs here? That's what your tithes and offerings are helping us do, to go out and be transformative yeah. in those areas and, and say that we are able to do this. That's what the Two Fish, Five Loaf program is about. And I want to give it up for my guy. I got my boy Bass Pro and Slayfish. Y'all stand up, come stand, stand. Come on, these are my guys right here. I got to give it up. I don't know if Kyle is here, but anybody I think they'll left. But these guys, I tell you, when I said, hey, it's time to be missional, it's time to go and take two fish and five loaves, we named it that because that's what Jesus did first thing. I said with our youth, we have to first love them, okay, feed them, then we give them godly expectations. And we do it in that order, and we show up continually. I'm excited about our two fish, five loaves program this year because we're going to adopt Horseman School, where, where, where Mr. Dwayne Clayton is, and Dunbar School, and we're going to start going over those schools and feeding and reaching out to those kids and seeing how by us showing up and being consistent, how we can reach out and touch them. And then when Mr. Clayton and Asia comes in and say, this child here needs something, that then we can intervene with our Dream Center with us to see how we can take care of that child, because here's the deal. If we don't take care of them on the front end, we're going to pay $50,000 from you on the back end in prison. Fitz, can I, say, can I point something out? Yeah. Um, you said something to me a couple of years ago. We were talking about this. Fitz was going through all this data. And, and I want you all to hear the importance of not just humanism, which is just going out and helping those who are suffering. That's important. But the, impo the importance of gospel-centered mission. Fitz said this. He said all of the issues, 100% of the issues, that we're seeing within the community are sin issues, but nobody's willing to call it that. That's right. And he was like, we cannot bring transformation unless we recognize that some of these things are in fact sin. And if we look at like the Ten Commandments God gave us, Fitz said this, he said, if everybody would follow the Ten Commandments, we wouldn't have any of these problems. And, and we want to be careful because you can get in this place where we, we, we could get ungracious with that, but God has called us to graciously go in no to the communities to address issues, but also to be people who preach the gospel of a God who loves them, who created them, who, who has another way. And then what do we do? We get them into God's presence at moments with God. They get in the process of spiritual formation and that transforms their lives. Then what do they do? They go out and they're agents of God's reconciliation in the world. This is God's mission for compelling missional disciples, right? All of us started as somebody who desperately needed God's grace, amen? Fitz, could you tell us a few more of the areas? Yeah, and, and that's why the, the, we lead with the food. So it's a thing to pull up the trailer right there. When they see food, they smell the food, they smell the fish. I mean, just recently, we did a surf Saturday, and, and, and man, it was, I shared this with y'all, I was moved by it, that there was just a homicide right there on 65th Street before we showed up. Hmm. And our team showed up. Three hours before we got three there. Three hours, exactly. And as and soon as the tape was down, we were there, and I'll introduce to you, Miss Yolanda there of, of, of our, our, our mothers of murdered sons was there with us. She walked up and talked to the mother who had just lost 
their son, and we fed, and our team was out there feeding all the kids. See, that was the missional piece that he was talking about, that we were able, you know, to feed the food for to, to that community right there. So that's why we always lead with food, because that's why we call it two fish and five loaves, because that's how that's how Jesus, that's how he led. Secondly, what we have, we have our sixth and goal mentoring youth program, which we use, which Mr. Clayton escorted me through the school the other day, was there, and we're getting all those things. This week, we're giving physicals. Fortunately, all the kids don't get physicals. And I have a, this is just so amazing how God has did. I have a doctor who had, who was, had, could not do practice because of something he got involved with. But every year he goes with me to each school to give physicals to let those kids play. That, that doesn't happen without God's presence. Hey, could you tell them real quick just what is Sixth and Goal? Sixth and Goal is a youth football mentoring program that we have that we work with our youth two or three times a week with them on the weekend, and we use football as a, as a sport to, to pr promote retention and high school graduation. How much did suspension rates go down when kids were in football? When we brought Sixth and Gold program in, I was a state board member, we, we didn't have that in Little Rock School District, and so what we found in the schools, particularly in Southwest Little Rock, the suspension rate, and, and Mr. Johnny Key, who was uh, chair of the Department of Education that worked with, we saw those schools which we were managing almost were non-existent in the schools that never happened because why? That identifiable role model that was with their kid and the thing that we found that was most transformational, be that was most yeah. transformational, was going to the school and having lunch with that kid and sitting around the table. And that kind of guy became a person who gave them expectations. Third so wait, thing. Let me say this real quick. Y'all can volunteer to be a part of that mentoring. Guys, like, let's go out there. That's Saturdays. That's where we're going to be. Right. And Fitz, if you go see him at the table, I'll have some more on that. Right, exactly. Tell us about we, that. we got player opportunities for you to get involved. You don't have to coach. What we'd like for you to be there on the weekend with the kids and, and encourage it. Hey, how are your grades this week? You know, I didn't, are you okay? What? And then for you to identify and find that kid. Like, I had somebody came to church and said, I want to buy that kid some shoes. I mean, those type of things, because the, the, it, it, those type of things are transformative for that community. That's what I'm saying. Having Asia and Dwayne there to be able to come to us and help us put those things together will be transformative for that family. The third thing we have is our leadership and faith design, which is it's about leadership. You know, it's not about how many numbers we get. It's about having the right people in the room. And because of our leadership and faith luncheons that we started here four years ago, it, it, it's the reason that I was in the juvenile detention center three weeks ago in Alexandria and get ready to head to Dermot next month to look at how, what we're going to do for rehabilitation for the young men who didn't get the things that I was just talking about that Michael's going to do with his son, that, 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 that our father's doing with their daughters, the way God described for it to do. This comes out Proverbs 22.6. That's the game plan that God has, has given us to run in raising up a child in the way he should go, and when he gets old, he will not depart from it. These young teenage homicides that we're seeing, the kids, they didn't grow up murderers. Their environment created murderers. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we must step into this darkness and bring light to this situation, which is why during our leadership and faith, we had our mothers of black son, and it's for all mothers. We just use that because the homicide epidemic is for specifically black boys where homicide is the number one cause of death for black males aged one to 44. And so we're trying to be intentional to address that in our country. And that, listen to this, that is produced by 2% of the population in our country is responsible for 56% of the homicides. Now, that's what we're working on because I, I said, why you want me to work on anything else? If I can reduce 50% of the homicides, don't, 
don't distract me. <laughs> because, because this is where the issue is, all right? Which then allowed us to bring in, and I'm so grateful our church was supportive, Mothers of Black Sons with Stand Against Death, we call it Mob Sad. They did a presentation here. We have some business leaders here. They've been on the radio now, which next month now, they will be making their first statewide presentation with um, Mother Yolanda. Mother Yolanda, will you please stand up? Give, give her a hand. Mother Yolanda is the organizing president of Mobs. Her son, three years ago, was murdered here in Little Rock. He was not a gangbanger. He was, she loved him with all her heart, and you should hear her story. And so she, I was compelled by her story, and God has connected us, and we're trying to be transformative in the state of Arkansas to make sure how we're dressed. But here's how God is taking us. Remember I just told you about the teenage mothers who are having children, whose sons are, and daughter, or sons are directed towards prison? Our goal is to have the mothers who have lost their sons to connect with those teenage mothers and become mothers and grandmothers to those sons so we can change the trajectory of violence in our community. So that's how God is working all these things out to be transformational and to be intentional. As a football coach, I said, let's wake up and make a first down. Let's not fumble. Inch by inch, life is a cinch, yard by heart. Yard by yard, life is hard. We're doing these things in centuries for the grace of God. Yeah. Compelling missional disciples. That's what we want to be. We want to be compelling missional disciples. How do we do that? We're people who love God's presence, who dig into God's presence. The gold is in God's presence. Um, there was this thing in the Middle Ages, these people called alchemists. And what alchemists were obsessed with was taking something worthless like lead and turning it into gold. God is the God who turns lead into gold. God is the God who takes you, like in our brokenness, in our sin, and all these things, he pulls the gold out of us. He helps us walk into our design. Where do we find that? In the presence. How is that uncovered? Through formation. Then we get to go out and help other people find the same thing, amen? God is the God who can take prison and make it a purpose. God is a God who can take addiction and make it a ministry. He can do so many different things. And so here's what I, I just want you to pray through and remember. It's just a gracious invitation. This is the invitation of Jesus to come in, to step into this discipleship process, this formational process. So how do you do it? What are next steps? Find a group. For some of you guys, it might be like men's prayer. All right, I got the mic so I can promo my group. Uh, fellas, where you at? Well, I need a little more than that. Fellas, where you at? <laughs> yeah, it's good. 6 a.m. Yo, we have a conviction. Our world doesn't need stronger men or smarter men. We have plenty of them. It's making no difference. We need deeper men, men of prayer, men who have relationships with other men that sharpen each other. So 6 a.m., we have that. Thursdays, ladies, there's a 6 a.m. group for you. It's another prayer group. It's going to be right here. Uh, Jess, could you tell us a few more groups, things that are out there? Yeah, we have a young families group. So like I mentioned earlier, if you're in that stage of having young babies in the house, they ha offer even childcare at it, so sign up. It's going to be amazing. We have Heart and Soul, led by Kaylee and Eric. He has his master's, and so they just dig into the word. And Bible he, guy. Yes, you want to be around him, and in his, he can really break it down. Uh, we have Financial Peace with the Nakoros, and so, Jeez. man, finances hold us back a lot of times yeah. from really doing what the Lord's asked us to do, and so we want our home in order, and so that's a great group. Um, 
yeah, there's so many YA young adults. Um, they're going to be out there. There's volleyball on Tuesday nights if you want to get, you know, your sweat on in 100-degree weather. Um, you know. There's a group for you. And so, um, and then me and Maurice, yeah, we have a Bible study on Tuesday nights. We're going to be digging into um, the book of James. And so we're pumped. So, y'all, there's tons of places. Um, and, and what I want you to do is just ask yourself, what's that next step? What's that next step for you in just growing in your faith? And so this, this morning is a great opportunity. So what I want to do is just take some time, and I want to give us a little bit of time just to pray, to seek God together, to give you a moment just to ask God, like, hey, what could my next step be? And so you're going to see people getting up and leaving. I didn't offend them. They're life group leaders. They're, they're headed to their tables. Um, but let's do this. Let's bow our heads all across the room. And let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Just open ourselves up to you. We've heard so much information. But God, I just pray right now that you'd show us what that next step is. Maybe we've already taken it, just being here at church. But maybe it's time to take that next step deeper. And so God, I pray that right now that you'd show each one of us what that step could be, whether that's getting into a small group, for parenting, marriage, other people in our age demographic, getting in a prayer group, maybe joining in the mission with Fitz and some of the things that he's doing. And so God, just as we sit here, I pray that you'd highlight one area of growth. I wanna encourage you guys, whatever that thing is, if God's speaking to you something specific, write it down or make a mental note. And as you go out and you go out into the foyer and you get coffee, look for something that fits in that place. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review. Things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.